everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 109 of the show. I almost said 124 because I was looking at the first comic we're going to cover tonight. But no, it's 109. Well, we could just skip to that. Would anybody say anything? I don't know. Well, there will be a day where our um, episode number catches up to the <clears throat> journey into mystery number. Ooh, a day like no other. No other. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to wow. like, celebrate that or something. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. But I just... Because I have everything planned out pedantically. I'm just uh, <laughs> scrolling journey, forward. Journey into Mystery Day. Yes. 134. We'll just, we'll just invite a, a panel of Thor fans to discuss Thor generally and not talk about comics. Right. That'll be our day. In 25 episodes in six months, our Thor number and our episode number will be the same. Right. So if you're a Thor fan out there, drop us a line. We're going to have like 10, 12 of you. We're just going to talk about how cool Thor is for an hour. Right. We're just going to tore it up. up. Yeah. So speaking of Thor, we are in the uh, first week still of November 1965, November 4th, 1965. We started last episode with the X-Men 16 and Daredevil 12, and we are continuing with Journey into Mystery 124. And I thought, you know, just, just to be crazy, maybe just kind of throw up at the beginning of the episode here what we're going to cover since we're basically doing it in four all the time. Uh-huh. I don't know. I just... Let's do it. This is 100 ep- 109 episodes in, but like when I'm listening to a podcast, I like to know up ahead of time which comics are going to cover. Yeah. So we're going to do Journey into Mystery 124, Tales to Astonish 76, Sergeant Fury 26, and Strange Tales 141, unless something happens to stop us from doing that. Yeah. And instead of talking about Thor, let's talk about Hercules. Oh, because his nippleless chest is on the cover. <laughs> Enter Hercules. Awkward. Right. Shouldn't shouldn't there be a comma there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's why he's not happy. But the glory and the grandeur, yeah. You could say enters Hercules, and at least then it would be grammatically correct. Yeah. But um, even though you get a poetic rearrangement of the words, or or like three dots or something, enter right Hercules. Anyway. Anyways, so um, we always doesn't happen in the story. Nobody enters Hercules in the story. (laughs) That would be bad. However, Thor is beside a newsstand that has so many of our comics on it. I see, like, the very issues that we're talking about. There's a Spider-Man 33. There's a Strange Tales with the... the, I think it's the one we're talking about this week. um, Or next week. Yeah, this week. And there's a Fantastic Four. I can't read the cover, though. You're Um, right. Like, see, I'm, I'm looking at, like, a newsprint. You know, copy version, not the digital, so it's kind of muddled. But yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. I didn't even notice that. That's cool. So Thor is just reading the newspaper because, you know, why not? And it's the post, not the bugle. Uh, and on the back page headline, it says, Unknown Demon Unleashes Plundering Jungle Hordes. And, uh, you know, anybody can stop to read newspaper on the streets of New York. But when the tall, imposing figure of the God of Thunder does it, people have a way of noticing. Story by Stan the Man Lee, penciling by Jack King Kirby, delineation by Vince the Prince Coletta, and lettering by Artie Sugarlips Simic. Sugar, yeah, it does say lips, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. All right. I know that Gil Kane gets the Sugarlips name later, at least on one occasion, and I like came up with an explanation for that. I can't hear. I do not know why Artie is Sugarlips Simic, unless he's, because he's, Simic has nice. I don't know. That is weird. 
Does Stanley just like the nickname Sugarlips? Does he think it's like slamming Artie because it's like more of a nickname for a female and he likes to slam Artie? Maybe Artie's got a girlfriend or uh, I don't know. I don't know. He's got them sweet lips. He's attracted. I, I, I don't know. But everybody got the man, king, the prince, and sugar lips. So it just seems like another It does le- seem weird. letter or slam. It also seems weird that Danny Zuko is right there on the right-hand side of the, of the cover page. <laughs> okay, is. anyways. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to keep on going. So Thor is just hanging out in New York City, reading his paper, and all these people are like, hey – You've got to go get that demon guy. I've never heard of this demon guy. Go get the demon guy. And little girl comes and says, my mom was, my daddy was wounded in Vietnam. He's big and strong, just like you, Mr. Thor. Have you ever been in Vietnam? And he says that he has. Um, the mom's like, don't bother the big, mean, big, you know, Thor, he's important. He's like, that doesn't matter. Let me kiss your baby. So he leans over and hugs the baby and kisses her. And um, says, stand back, crowd, let me swing my hammer. And the policeman says, hey, you can't swing that hammer here. We got traffic. You got a permit for a demonstration? He's like, no, I guess I'll go to the roof. I'm going to go to this normal office building lobby and stand in this normal office building elevator and go to this roof and swing my hammer from there. So he swings his hammer and flies away in a big old awesome splash page, flies to Vietnam where the demon, and the demon is just a dude with a Nornstone and a witch doctor mask who has been like leading an army and raiding villages and stuff. Also, he um, Thor on the way to Vietnam stops by Jane Foster's hospital room because uh, she's um, not awake yet. He's like, why hasn't she recovered yet? What's wrong? Anyways, so um, Thor goes... No, he doesn't. Thor doesn't go to the demon yet. Thor is totally hanging out in the hospital, wondering why Jane's not alive yet. And the demon's just like raiding stuff and doing crap. So Thor turns back into Don Blake and sits with... Jane is like, hey, Jane, do you hear me? I'm Don Blake. I love you. She's like, you don't love me. You don't even exist. You left me. You're not here. I'm going crazy. I'm afraid to look and see if you're really there. (gasps) You're really there. He's like, yes, I am. And not just me. I am Thum, the god of thunder, the mighty Thor. You love an immortal of Asgard, Jane Foster, who truly loves you as well. And she's like, wow. That's pretty cool. Thor and Don Blake are the same person. Somehow I always knew. Mm. So, um, yeah. Anyway, he's like, uh, so I got to go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to leave you, but I got to (laughs) go. I will always be by your side, except for right now. I got to go. Um, she's like, you better come back. You promised me. And Oda's like, oh, my son has betrayed his heritage. I must get my revenge as a father would. You know, when my son disobeys me, I've got to, like, have a have a, have a a venge quest against him. That's what I'll do, venge quest. Yeah, that's a venge quest. So, uh, meanwhile, Dr. Blake goes back to his office. He keeps hearing people talk about this demon guy. He's just like, fine, I guess I'll go find out about the demon guy. Even though Jane said not to leave, I've got to save people. So he flies away. And up in Olympus, on the top of a majestically towering mountain, Zeus, monarch of all he surveys, rises to his feet and says, it's time for us to go back to the land of mortals. Hercules, Atlas, stop your play fighting. So come here, Hercules. You want to go to Earth? I think you should. You should go to Earth. Bam! You're going to Earth. And so Hercules starts climbing on the mountain to go to Earth. Um... Thor arrives in Vietnam, says, demon, stop being such a demon, fight me. 
And Demon says, fine, I'll fight you. And that's the end of the issue. Yeah. This was crazy. This is a lot of going uh, on. I'm sorry I kind of jumped yeah. with the uh, – because uh, I know he goes to Vietnam. Actually, I kind of expected the stuff that happens next episode to be in this issue, but that's okay. Yeah, it's mostly setup, but it's pretty good setup. Pretty good setup. Lots of important stuff. Mm-hmm. We've been waiting uh, for the final reveal for a long time. Well, that's what I was – I mean, I don't know because I haven't read in the future, but it's like, man, I really hope they don't undo this in five seconds because it's pretty cool. But they pretty might. Sh- but who knows? I was going to say. <laughs> mm. But is like, is it just me or I mean, we have some pretty badly written female characters on this show. I think mm-hmm. Jane is like the worst of all. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, what have they done to this poor lady who I never really liked to begin with because she was always pining about the wrong person? But now she's just like, just such a vessel for plot and like insane, so easily insane, you know, driven crazy and just like, what is she? She's just. <laughs> she's just a hostage all the time or something. I don't know. Remember that scene in my girl where Uh she's doing the like hand on scalp thing to Macaulay Culkin's character. And she's like, I knew it. You have no personality. (laughs) Yeah. That's this. That's this. Jane has no personality. She voices a single opinion in this episode, in this issue. And I think it's the first time she's ever expressed a shred of agency. Um, page eight, where she's like, you know. Yeah. Um, you've told Not, me you love me. Yeah. I know you're keeping a terrible secret from me. How can I believe when you desert me for days at a time? I never know where you are, what you're doing. I only know that you're gone. Get out. Do you hear me? And I was like, oh, okay. Jane has a will. Yeah. And it's almost it'd almost be a cool scene, except for the fact that she's just so broken over basically nothing. Yeah. So although I guess she got kidnapped, I suppose, but like I uh, like she gets kidnapped every other issue. She's just like a reason for Thor to do things or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not loving it, but if this reveal takes, then maybe it'll be more interesting. But somehow I think she's going to be so comatose and crazy that she'll just have an amnesia by next issue or something. She'll think it was a dream, and it'll be done. She is. She well, I think I've said this before. She is the character that Natalie Portman got really tired of playing. Yeah, well, and she was kind of that character in the movies too, wasn't she? I mean, no, not far from it. They gave her some to do in each movie, but yes. not nearly enough. She got to be a scientist, so that gives her some more agency. And like, but like, even Thor two is basically her just being a vessel for this Infinity Stone uh-huh. red mist thing, and she has to be rescued. Basically, I mean, towards Spending the end, a chunk of it unconscious. Yeah, towards the end, she like. Helps them with the teleportation stuff or whatever, but that's about it. Um, yeah, it's just interesting that, like, sometimes a character, like, a lot of comic male characters have, like, that woman, you know, the one. Mm-hmm. And I'm quoting that no one can see me air quoting right now. And Jane is, of course, Thor's the one outside of maybe Sif. Right. But uh, it's just epic to me that she's just so nothing. Mm-hmm. But. That doesn't last forever because I have definitely seen some, read some cool Jane stories way in the future that will never yeah, get to. Yeah, way in the future that we'll never get to. Right. We will, we will get to the stories that have no more Jane involvement, probably at the rate that we're going. But if we ever get to like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, okay. I really like the fish out of water scene at the beginning. Uh huh. Um, all the people like crowding around Thor and Thor talking to humans like they're cute. Uh huh. Although it does feel weird whenever. Uh, he's the little girl says that her daddy was in Vietnam. He's like, he says something with the word daddies in it too, which is, I'm not poking fun at the modern use of that word. It just, I feel like 
Thor wouldn't say daddy. He'd say like father or something. He probably would, but maybe he's just saying daddy to echo her words because she's a kid and he doesn't want to confuse her. But I do. Thor is good with kids. Maybe. That would be amazing. I do love this scene. uh, Although it is also like obviously some sort of message to people who are fighting in Vietnam during this printing, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's a little like just random. It doesn't go anywhere, but it is a really cool scene. Um, I honestly wasn't expecting the reveal. Uh, yeah, exactly. They didn't. They didn't broadcast it on the cover, which no. is very out of character. <laughs> yeah, so much for sixty Superman. Like that would have been definitely the cover, right? Um, if I don't, if I don't reveal my secret to Lois, she'll die, right? <laughs> or something that, like that. That's at least three covers from nineteen sixty-three. I'm sure. So I think you're right. The demon, like his design is kind of lame and I guess his powers are kind of lame and maybe the whole storyline is lame, but somehow I like it just because it's like Asgard did this with their carelessness. I like that element. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere or matter, but like this guy has got all this power and is disrupting his world because they stupidly just dropped one dumb stone that they shouldn't have brought to earth in the first place, you know? Right, right. It is, it is definitely... And it's not even Loki's fault. I mean, it's Loki's fault indirectly because he had the Nornstones, but Thor's the one that dropped the one. Yeah. Although it does make you wonder, why didn't Loki wear this stone when they were doing their test? Because Thor basically got through all the stuff by being a Hulk. And if that mm-hmm. turns you into Hulk, why not you just wear this, Loki, and be Hulk? But Maybe Loki shouldn't think about using the powers right. I don't know. I don't know. This must be the power, the Infinity Power Stone or something. I don't <laughs> know. Um, Odin... Of course, gets angry when he finds out that Thor mm-hmm. has revealed himself to Jane because that's been the big deal this entire time, which uh-huh. you know Don reveals reminds us of. Mm-hmm. And then he says he has broken my law. My choice is clear. There must be a reckoning. Great. And I'm like another reckoning because seriously, we, we haven't even really completely <laughs> fully gotten over the last reckoning, right? Because the Norn Stone is still with the demon. Don't they have Asgard things to do? Why are they always watching Earth so closely? Like, find, you know, I don't know. Don't you have politics on Earth, on Asgard you have to take care of? It's just weird. He just, he Why just does can't. He care so much? He can't let go of the teenager parenting. It's like you they're know, always. Er, yeah. The early teenager phase where they're like really rebelling and you know, keeping uh-huh. secrets and lying. You got to keep all tabs on them versus yeah. the late teenager phase where they're like actually figuring themselves out and trying to be responsible. But. You have to learn how to get past that habit of mistrust from earlier. Odin has well, never done that. I think it, at some point the parents just get exhausted and stop caring. But that's <laughs> that's just my strategy. Um, yeah, he really needs to just stop. I think he's just looking for an excuse to have another stupid event. But And um, why does Zeus decide that it's time to look at Earth now? Yeah, that was a shortcoming of the story. Like they don't really give him a great reason. Do they say no. something like Hercules is lame and he needs to do something with his life? Or did I just make that up? Yeah. I grow worried of your never-ending rivalries, your constant battles in Olympus. Therefore, I have a mission for you. So I guess his reasoning is giving him his son something more substantial to do. Oh, so he's, he's sitting there watching Thor and Alice fight. And he's like, okay, you know what? Forget this stuff. And you know what? We, we got to look at Earth now. So Hercules, can you stop for the umpteenth time? So he's on Mount Olympus and he's surveying and he says, the time has come. We must turn our attention earthward earthward to the planet of mortals. Maybe he's tuning his eye in because this is Asgardian related and therefore God related and it deserves his attention or something. And then combine that with the fact that he thinks his son is wasting his life just having fights. So 
he sends them out there to take care of this problem. Maybe. Maybe. Have you read the next issue? No. I okay. I'm totally um, just reading between the lines. They don't actually like hammer that point home at all. No, no, no. That, 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 yeah, that's definitely a good guess. We, uh, we didn't record last week, so I went ahead and kind of kept reading ahead so I wouldn't uh-huh. get too far behind for the next recording. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I've read the next issue. I, did, I should not do that because I should not read past what we know for the story. Anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Hercules is going to go down. There's a, there's a demon fight that he could go help out with. Thor and the demon are going to throw down and that's where we leave off. Yeah, pretty good setup. Oh, there's one other thing I thought of. Hmm. The timing is just right for this choice to bring Hercules into the story to be a response to reactions on the annual. Oh, I could see that being exciting for people. I mean, yeah. we just we just know Hercules and we want more from Hercules than just a stupid fight. But if you have never read Marvel Hercules before, it's like, wow, there's a whole other god sect and like he's as strong as Thor. I want to see more of that. I'm just looking to see if there are any letters about it in the um – The Thor annual was my monument moment of supreme ecstasy. The battle between Thor and Hercules turned out just the way I wanted it to. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I think, honestly, the high response to Hercules in that annual was like, hey, let's put him in the comics. Hercules is great. I really hope they – I don't think they really nailed his personality all that much in the annual because it was mostly just the two of them being boastful, egotistical idiots. But How long is it going to take him to become a really silly oaf? Yes. I like that. I like that he's just as dramatic as Thor and he's just as like into um, uh, 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 honor through combat and all that stuff. But he knows how to have fun. And Thor's more like a wharf when it comes to Klingons, you know, like just doesn't know how to party. And Hercules does. So I hope they figure that out quickly and we'll see next issue when they actually interact. But right. So shall we go on to the tale of Asgard? Yeah. Although, for some reason, my brain, I was, I was looking at this Tale of Asgard banner at the top, my brain read Asgard as an acronym, like Agents oh. of S.H.I.E.L.D., Tales of Asgard. Uh-huh. But it's not. Um, closer comes the swarm. See, there they agitated, they, they conjugated their verb, right? Comes the swarm. Yeah. Enters Hercules. Anyways. <laughs> um, from the giant stone hive of Thruheim to the noble Odin ship of Thor. Odin ship? Oh, the ship that he's on. Yeah. Is a long, and as like, you have like the princedom and mm-hmm. bishopric and the Odin ship. Anyways, yeah. it's a long and dangerous distance, but not to the flying trolls of Queen Ula, as she sends her limitless legions uh, to attack the lonely ship which her winged scouts have sighted. How gallant this script by Stan Lee. How glorious this artwork by Jack Kirby. How gracious this inking by Vince Coletta. How come this lettering by Artie Simic? Hot lips. Hot li- Sugar lips. Sugar lips, sorry. I was thinking. Hot lips will be fun, though. Um, I was about to go on a mash tirade. This is not the time. So, Queen Ula. All right. So, we know that Thor and all of his friends have been on this ship bound for a quest to find out why the Odin sword is cracked. And it's been like five years that they're on this quest. And they just got through a really huge storm and Balder blew his horn like little boy blue to get them through the dragon of Utgard. And now there is a uh, swarm of flying trolls of Truheim toward them. So yeah. Queen Ula's like, go get them. So on the ship, Thor's like, hey, 
we need to get some rest for Balder. He blew himself <laughs> silly. So they they lay Balder up, strip him naked, lay him down, and uh, Grim Hogan the Grim brings a medicine forms says, drink this Balder, it's whiskey. And uh, Balder's like, did it did it work? The Utgard dragon? And they're like, yeah, it worked. You totally saved the day. And uh, Balder's like, foof. Um, except that Loki and his black-hearted cohorts. Turns out, Mike, I don't know if you've realized this, but back on the ship when they brought in the Warriors 5, uh-huh. turns out two of them are bad guys. You mean Ernie <laughs> Evil wasn't a good guy? Yeah. Ernie Evil with the Cyclops <laughs> face. And, um, you know, yeah, those guys, they're, they're uh, bad guys, and they're con- uh, uh, conniving with Loki to... Uh, I don't know, make sure that the Earth God does not complete the voyage. And then, what's his face? Um, Volstag. Yeah. This doesn't right. sound right. Volstag? Volstag? Yeah. With a V. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Volstag. I don't know why that didn't sound right. Yeah, it's Volstag. He, uh, he's like, okay, so um, now I'm going to do something awesome. Uh, Volstag is going to blow Baldur's horn one more time. And, uh, you know, because I love... Balder going to celebrate him. So he blows the horn and everyone like raises their weapons at him. He's like, come on guys. I just blew the horn. I didn't, I didn't make it too bad. He does not realize that the swarm of plying trolls is coming up behind him. So the end. Dun, dun, dun. And he couldn't blow it by the way, for some reason. What? Right. Or did I make that up? Oh, even though I blew my extraordinary force power, all I hear is a dull hum. Yeah. He couldn't make it happen. He's no Miles Davis. Not like a uh, Balder. No Gabe Jones. Or that little kid that they rescued. Buzzing the lips ain't easy, Volstag. No, it really, really isn't. The first time you ever try to play a horn and you don't even realize what you're doing is, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so these trolls of Trueheim look a lot like parademons. Yes, they do. Were they both invented by Jack Kirby? Yes. So okay. it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And actually, Jack Kirby's parademons that we think of are kind of a later design. Mm. They're not. These look more like parademons than parademons do in the beginning. Okay. Yeah, I keep thinking, especially with these backstories, all these Asgardian design elements look so New Godsy to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really a New Gods expert, so I just base, I'm just basing that on like the glimpses of imageries I've seen. But like, yeah, I think he just took all this and made a whole new mythology with it instead of instead of twisting one that already existed. Right. Um, Ula and Hela obviously go to the same haberdasher. Okay, so who is this lady? She's a troll queen. Okay, but is that like a thing that happens more than once? Because um, I've never heard of her. I haven't either. Okay. And, okay, I just took a glance at Jean's um, notes because mm-hmm. I really felt like we had seen Ula before. And she's dressing very much like Carnella was dressing. So oh. I think Carnella had a similar hat. Mm. Kirby loves the hats. Mm-hmm. My goodness. And is that a stone beehive? That the trolls are flying out of? It looks like it, yeah. It looks like a beehive. Yeah. It's a pretty it neat idea. Yeah. Pretty cool. This this reading this like is kind of like reading strips or comic strips, it feels like. Like it takes forever to get anywhere mm-hmm. in a way. But I'm not not enjoying it. It's just like, okay, we're still on the boat. I guess like that's gonna be the case for a while. At least we got past uh Balder blowing the horn. But you spend five pages like around one plot point. Yeah. And so 
if you have like 10 pages, you can do like three plot points. Uh-huh. If you have five pages, you've got to build up to and come down from that one plot point. Maybe two if you're starting at a point of drama and then relax and build to another point of drama or something like that. But so yeah, it doesn't be, move very quickly. There's going to be eight issues of them fighting these bugs, basically. And then <laughs> and three of those last of the last three of the eight are going to be like somebody having an idea of how to stop in them, but then not implementing that idea for three issues. Right. Yep. But you're right. It is, it is kind of similar to newspaper strips in the structure. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's an overall story. And if you just read it all, then the pace would be weird, but it would actually work out. But there's a lot of like quick recap that we've already, I mean, we literally have only had five pages. Do we need a recap? But then we're going to get one. And it's just like two steps forward, one step backwards feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. I'm enjoying it. I, I still like these tales. I think of it's, it's a fun, I mean, yeah, it's a fun backup. Um, having a secondary adventure of Thor that is not tied into the superhero stuff is pretty great. Cause it's kind of like having your cake and eating it too. I still think they should have like kicked Iron Man out of tales of Spence, gave cap a modern story up front and a tales of cap guard in the back. Oh. where like the war stuff leads up to the present at some point, you know? Right. That would have been cool. Five pages of war for every, however many pages of modern. And, um, you know, I wasn't sure when Volstagg first showed up, just how comedic he was going to be off the bat. Uh-huh. But he's, he's had an increasing level of comedy every time. He, it definitely confirms his role there. That's definitely a character they've got right out of the gate. They do that sometimes. It's mm-hmm. very, amu- it's very amusing. And I can see why he's like a fan favorite. Cause I've, He's made me laugh multiple times on this thing. So, and his tall hat awesome. feather has gotten bigger every issue. So, <laughs> he like when he came on the boat, he was not really classic Volstag look, but he now basically has classic Volstag look. Yeah, but he's had the personality the whole time, and it's like even more so than you know Hogum or whatever the other guy's name even is. I can't even remember the dashing guy, Falstaff. Falstaff, like obviously Volstag sticks out amongst the three and always That's- has. I'm sorry, it's like Fafnir or something, but he's named after oh, an Fafnir. actor named Falstaff. Anyway, should we talk about um, Gene's thoughts? Oh, yes, of course. I forgot. Oh, you were going to move on. No, no, no. We got to find was, out what Gene's sorry. about this. Yes, let's see, if these, let's see if these demonic bugs are real. So Gene Hendricks, Gene Gene the Podcasting Machine, who is our Asgard advisor, says, Someone tell Carnilla that Ula has stolen her hairstyle. Yes, <laughs> the queen, her realm, and the idea of flying trolls are all mentioned inventions of Marvel. Of course. Hogan valuing those who prove their bravery makes sense to the Norse worldview. I had a note because somebody's like, oh my gosh, can you believe that Hogan, the Grim, would, would you know, be so tender toward his fallen friend? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, considering that Scandinavia wasn't a very hospitable place, being able to brave the storm or brave the enemy would be laudable. The main thing is to not run away from your responsibilities, as many of the villains in these backups are shown to do. Yeah, that was interesting that the the grimmest, you know, toughest, scariest guy is the one who healed people. Right. But I think they even comment on that in the actual story, too. Taking care of your business and um, facing danger and not running away from responsibilities, those are the Norse ideal. Yeah. And they did a pretty good job with that here. Yeah. Okay, now you can do name Okay, let's do the Asgardian ideal. Uh Tales to Asgardian, damn it. That would have been a good joke if I had said Atlantean, but I said Asgardian. Tales to Astonish, number 76, Uneasy Hangs the Head. Um, Imperious Rex, story, Stan Lee, penciling Adam Austin, delineation, Vince Coletta, lettering, Sam Rosen, Nobleman, all. 
Namor's great quest has ended. The sacred trident of Atlantis is his at last, and with it, the throne of fabled Atlantis. But the beautiful Lady Dorma lies dying as warlord Krang, seeing his dreams of conquest fade into nothingness, makes a cowardly, unsuccessful attack upon the true and hereditary prince. So it starts off with the two of them facing each other, and guess what? Krang is no match. He easily gets dispatched and asks for no more, please stop punching me, but Namor punches him a couple more times anyway. But then he remembers that Dormer is on this machine that's supposed to regenerate her, and he forgot to flip the switch because he got busy being backstabbed. So he runs over there and flips the switch, and he's like all doing this whole, she's the love of my life, the apple of my eye, the grain of my coffee. And she lives from the Vita rays or whatever they are, that the Asgardian rays. And he's so happy. And then there's like a big celebration as everybody parades through the streets underwater um, with flags. And Namor's on the seashell throne with the big uh, 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 crown and the trident of Neptune. And he introduces – he's like, yes, yes, I'm the king again, but I couldn't have done it without help from – and he introduces Dorma and says, she's going to be my side piece maybe or something. I haven't decided yet. And also this old guy who's been throughout this story, he's been very helpful, uh, Vashti. So everybody's like, yay for both of them. Meanwhile, Krang is like plotting and plotting in jail and they go to the soldiers go to get him, the guards. And he's like, now at last my plan is complete. And Namor banishes him and he's banished. Then it cuts to Atlantis being shooken apart, shaken apart, crushed, destroyed by what seems like an earthquake. And everybody's like, oh, man, what's this about? And so Namor's on his throne going, yeah, last time I remember there being an earthquake down here was when those humans were testing that bomb thing that happened in World War II. So it looks like Namor is returning to the surface. The end. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. That was like the literal beginning of the original Namor strip was they're bombing the ocean and we have to go stop them. That's right. This seemed like a very – I mean, I, I think I don't think the page count is different, but maybe because of all the splash pages, this seemed like hardly anything. It goes very quickly, and yet I think it does an excellent job of wrapping up where we've been <laughs> and everything that's happened. Yeah, they're like, let's get off with this. Let's get on with this story so we can move on to something else. Yeah. It feels like we're finally setting up what the Namor status quo is. The mm-hmm. seventh chapter of this story is finally like, hey, he's got his you know queen or at least his consort – uh, he's mm-hmm. got his advisor, royal vizier, whatever they call him. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's ready to be uh, prince of Atlantis. Yep, that's what they did. Um, gosh, we make fun of this underwater stuff, but they really are just pushing it at this with this story a little bit. Like, yeah, <laughs> look at all those people walking in a parade in the ocean. They're walking in a parade. They have flags, which you think in the ocean would not be all that great. Um, they're all just wearing like flowing gowns that all flow straight down like it's gravity and yeah, it's blue and they throw in some fish, but it's basically just a parade on land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But blue, which is, which is kind of a shame. I think they could have tried a little, I feel like, you know, when as when, when I keep calling it Asgard, when Atlantis was first introduced in fantastic four, there were quite a few splash pages by Kirby that made it look freaking amazing. And now it just seems like just like a, place on land or something with blue lots of blue right um and i also just think his crown and his neptune trident thing looks hokey as heck the trident looks like a toy 
Yeah. And Kirby, it's the same cr- uh, crown design, but mm-hmm. Kirby drew it nicer. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, most of the art is pretty good, but I think, like, he needs to step up his underwater game or something. Or maybe mm-hmm. we just, we're just not going to have a lot of underwater anymore because he's leaving for the land. But Again. Again. Remember last time we did that? Yep. There was a revolution at home. Yeah. Or an uprising, I guess. I don't know. I know. Yeah. Like, he literally gets his shell chair back, and now he's going to leave again to go fight the legal system and get it stolen again. Um, he calls Vashti Ancient One a couple times. I'm wondering if Vashti is like, dude, I'm only like 20 years older than you. <laughs> or he could be 8,000. Who knows? Yeah. Actually, yeah, there is something in the next issue that may be wondering if, this, if Atlanteans are legitimately long-lived. Well, we know Namor is, but I don't know if everybody else is. I don't know. Do we know that Namor is like extended life? Like he's longer than longer lifeline than usual? Yeah, because he he has World War II origins also, and he, despite the sliding timeline, never gets older. Right. Okay. There's, there's no like explanation for that other than he's Namor. Captain America got uh, didn't get older because of suspended animation. Nick Fury has gotten older and had a career oh, in advance. But he al- he also pops pills that keeps him young. We'll find that out later. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, Human Torch is a robot, and Namor is just Namor. And I don't know if all his people are like that, or if it's because he's a hybrid, or what. Well, Dorma, Dorma looked younger in the first issue, but then again, Namor looked younger. Mm-hmm. In any case, they were both, you know, I guess she was a young adult or old teenager, and now she's like um, a mature younger adult. Oh, was Dorma in the Golden Age? Yeah, no? she was in that oh. first issue. She she goes with him to raid that lighthouse in the last few pages. Well, the problem with this is right now, World War II isn't that far away, so she could still look okay. Yeah. But, you know, if she still looks really young in uh, a 2008 comic book, then you got to think she's probably immortal or, or you know, longer-lifed. I don't know, even at this point, it's 20 years. I feel like there should be some yeah. difference. That's true. There should be. My only other note is that uh, he sends... Crang off to the murky depths, and I'm like, isn't that the town where Atuma's from? So maybe they're going to go great. hang out Great. That's a great idea. Have your two worst enemies team up. Right. Maybe Crang will get a weird barnacle skull. Look how, uh, like, the crown has, like, a hole for his ears to stick out of. That's kind of stupid. Yeah, that's weird. Can you imagine <laughs> how, like, difficult that is to get on <laughs> and off? Like, you've got to, like, put your ears through the holes. And when you're taking it off, you can't just, like, take it off. You've got to, like, squiggle it around your ears. Yeah. That's... And by the way, page nine, no ears. So I think they just messed up there or something. But anyway. Maybe maybe there are glue-on ears. Yeah. And he hadn't put them on yet when he first got the crown. He's like, oh, you're bringing Krang in? Hold on, hold on. Let me put on my royal ears. <laughs> Either that or he drilled holes for his ears after he got the crown. He's like, my ears are too big for this thing. They need yeah. to stick out and point. <laughs> They're pinching. <laughs> this sucks. Like... We all have pointy ears. Why hasn't this been fixed before? Right. I'm not putting up with it. Rubirius wrecks my ears. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Hey, there's more. I forgot. Speaking of ears. Speaking of. How about the Hulk, which has nothing to do with ears? Uh, it's called I, comma, against a world. Um, living proof that teamwork pays off. Script Stan Lee, layout Jack Kirby, penciling Scott Edward, inking Mick... Mickey DeMeo, lettering Artie Simek. No wonder it's another Marvel masterwork. <gasps> Just like that series of trades. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, suppose you saw the Hulk hurtling towards the White House with, in Washington, D.C. 
Would you believe he merely wanted to tell the president that Rick Jones needs his help? No, I would not believe that because I'm pretty sure that's not what he was going to do. Or in an effort to safeguard the chief executive, would you fire the fantastic T-gun at him as the troops under General Ross's command did? Little dreaming he would instantly vanish, then reappear in the far distant future. Editor's note, T-gun, experimental device invented by Bruce Banner. So named because its purpose is to distort light waves. As a method of time travel. So yeah, he shows up in the future. These weird looking uh, space, not space, earth beat, super sci-fi beatnik guys all pull guns on him. He's like, yeah, right. He picks up Big Boulder and attacks them. The leader of these beatnik dudes is like, wait, I think this is the Hulk. And I think he's super strong and tough if memory serves. He can help us fight the evil one. And Hulk is like, not listening. Because he's fighting, because they keep shooting things at him, and none of the things they shoot at him work until they finally shoot concentrated gravity at him with this weird suction vacuum-looking apparatus. That knocks him out and also, like, turns him into stone or something. Like, I don't know. It makes his arms and legs pinned and he falls over like he's in carbonite or something. Um, Cut to the present where Thunderbolt Ross is getting his butt chewed out to him by a general who's upset that he lost the Hulk. And he's like, yeah, we don't really understand how this gun worked either. Did we vaporize him or is he just gone? We don't know. So now Thunderbolt Ross is upset that he got yelled at because he doesn't like that. He likes to do the yelling. And he's going to go talk to Rick Jones, who's still in prison, because Rick Jones knows everything about the Hulk. He's convinced that Rick Jones knows everything about the Hulk and can tell him what's going on. But... That's a plot thread for later because then we cut back to the future and the disabled Hulk is taken to their base. He quickly wakes up faster than they expect, but he doesn't fight at first and he lets them like lead them, take them, take him to their leader. The leader's like, hey, we have a real problem. We're the good guys and uh, we need you to help us fight the bad guys. And the Hulk's like, good guys, bad guys, you're all stupid and the Hulk hates you. So he starts beating them up and the leader's like, hey, I've got 20 men here that can take you out. He's like, no, I'm the Hulk. And he like rips up the floor and knocks them over. And then he leaps through the wall to escape their fortress. And once he's outside, he notices that there's these big tripod robot things that are attacking the quote unquote good guys. And he's like, oh, those must be the bad guys. Well, like I said, good guys, bad guys, Hulk doesn't care. I'm going to attack them all. So he leaps over from the castle to land on one of the tripods. And he's about to tear it up when uh, a little door opens, swings open, and out pops the head of the Executioner. Dun, to dun, be conti- dun. To be continued. Yeah, Executioner. Yeah, um, didn't see that coming. No, it's like totally random. But yeah. I also kind of like it. Were you surprised? Yeah, yeah I was surprised. And I also thought, well, he is immortal and he does like causing havoc. So sure, why not? Why can't he be the bad guy in this weird future? Exactly. And yeah. I looked up his appearances, and because uh-huh. last time we saw him and the Enchantress was in the um, in the wedding issue, mm-hmm. and before that, like whenever they were helping kidnap Jane during the whole shenanigans. Anyways, mm-hmm. and I said then I don't know how much longer they're going to be together because I know that Enchantress does a lot of stuff by herself. Yeah, he's basically off the table. He yeah. has like a handful of isolated stories between now. And Thor 258. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot. So time. Enchantress does a lot. Executioner, not so much. Apparently, he just went to hiding and waited until the future to take it over. 
That's what I would do. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good move. Yeah. So we have a new artist in this issue. Okay. I don't even know if I noticed that. Scott Edward is penciling over Jack Kirby layouts. Okay, yeah. He is Gil Kane. Oh. Well, he doesn't look very Gil Kane-y, but that's probably because they're just collaborating. Yeah, he is in the middle of a huge run on the Atom and another on the Green Lantern right now. So mm-hmm. he is using a pen name to hide from DC. I don't know why he, because he only does this one issue. He would oh. like it a year to do a few more Hulks and some Captain Americas, but he won't be a regular Marvel artist until he starts his Amazing Spider-Man run in 1970. That's kind of funny because he wouldn't strike me as necessarily a Hulk, a great Hulk artist because he's, I mean, his Green Lantern and Adam are awesome. Mm-hmm. But they're very sleek, minimalist characters, and the Hulk is just big, broody monster that throws boulders and stuff. So, right, it looks more Kirby to me, but it it does have a weird, fin- a different finish. It's not exactly all Kirby. I didn't have a whole lot of thoughts on this big fight in the future. No, I mean the Hulk is just not cooperating. I think Banner's mind is completely gone at this point. It's all Hulk all the time. And yeah, uh, we actually get narrative confirmation. Uh, you know, oh. we've been kind of reading it that Banner's brain is like getting submerged over time. Mm-hmm. And um, on page seven, they basically confirm that's what's been going on. Hulk is referring to Bruce Banner in the third person now. He's back to basically how he was when he started because he's still very uh, verbal. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just say Hulk hate you all and smash. Like he has thoughts and ideas, but they're just angry. Right. So I think he still has some of the thinking faculties of Banner. He just not the personality anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's in the future. He's fighting an army of the executioner and the executioner shows up at the end. And I think it's likely they're going to fight next time. Yep. Might be interesting if they give us how the executioner and the world got here, but I wonder if they'll bother. We'll see. Those, those tripods are very war of the worlds. Totally. When did war of the worlds come out though? Before this. Well, the movie didn't use tripods. The movie used those fluttering pods with the antenna eye on them that was really cool looking. Uh-huh. But the um, the H.G. Wells novel and other later renditions have used the tripod. I think the 2000-whatever Tom Cruise movie used tripods, at least. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Nothing wrong with a tripod. That's uh, a giant. What do, you name a, what do you name a cat that's missing a leg? Tripod, yeah. Tripod. Or a dog, that works too. That works. Okay, yeah, I agree. I didn't really have a lot to say. It's kind of just more set up and a lot of fighting, but... Yes. You know, cantankerous Hulk. He's not really the greatest. It is just weird that he's in the future, but kind of interesting. I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, We do get a page in the present day. Um, Thunderbolt Ross's higher-ups are yelling at him that he needs to figure out what's up with the Hulk or Mm -hmm. be done. Right. All right. Speaking of war. Speaking of war. Sergeant Fury 26. Dum Dum does it the hard way. <laughs> what is with these captions this month? That's what she said. <laughs> Enter Dum Dum. It's just it's just a rough night. Um, <laughs> this offbeat battle bombshell breaks all the rules. We'll bet you've never read a war thriller like it, though by now you've learned to expect the unexpected from the world's most far out war mag. But we don't really deserve all the credit. After all, we just tell them as they happened. That's a lie. That is a lie on so many levels. Take a good look at Fury and the Howlers now while you can, because you won't be seeing much more of them once Dum Dum makes the scene. But we've got a whole caboodle of new fighting men to keep you glued to the action. It's daring. It's different. It's dynamite. <laughs> Written with blockbuster force by Stan Lee. 
drawn with machine gun power by Dick Ayers, inked with dive bomber impact by Carl Hubble, and lettered with bloodshot eyes by Artie Simic. He is getting no love tonight. No. All right. Opening up with uh, a joint meeting between Captain Sawyer and the Howlers and the Skipper, that one like naval captain we've seen a couple of times <laughs> right? of yeah. a submarine. Mm-hmm. So um, he is going to help the Howlers get across the channel and go run a rescue mission for Dum Dum. So uh, that's pretty great. Meanwhile, Dum Dum is uh, he's he's a he's a bomber pilot now, and he's you know over enemy lines, running missions, bombing stuff in an airplane, and his airplane goes down in the ocean. So um, he's with his fellow pilots. They get a raft. They get picked up by a Nazi boat. Um, they go and see the commander, who is the dreaded Sea Shark. The sea shark is not impressed. Dum Dum keeps mouthing off, and the other pilot's like, dude, shut up. He's like, I'm a, I'm a howler. I'm going to not spit these Nazis. And Petunia didn't raise the weight. That's not that swollen guy. Um, anyway, so he just like starts fighting Nazis because that's who he is. So, you know, he gets arrested and put down. They all get put in a cabin, and um, they get put to work on the Nazi boat. Dum Dum starts talking to the men, and they start planning a, 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 a revolt and an escape. They're going to take over the boat. They execute their plan with panache. They find some explosives, and they figure if they can't take this boat over, at least they can blow it up. So they're going to do that. Um, The sea shark, he gives them some trouble. The officers give them some trouble. Um, And Dum Dum is basically like, okay, we've got a bomb in the ammo hold. It's going to go off in 30 seconds. So uh, what you going to do? And the sea shark is like, okay, this is only one thing to do. And he hollers for all of the uh, Nazi officers or sailors, I should say, to uh, abandon ship. And Dum Dum Dugan and his guys also get off the ship. Um, the timer was actually set for 10 minutes, not for just a few seconds. So uh, it does eventually blow up. But yeah, um, anyways, the... Uh, the pilots get picked up by a random submarine passing through, but it's not just a random submarine. It's the one that the Howlers are on coming to rescue Dum-Dum. And hey, here he is ready to be rescued. It all worked out. The end. Yep. So a little different. I mean, I guess they weren't lying, but not that different. It was different. There was no mission. It was a rescue and we didn't get to see it from their point of view. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it, it is a little bit weird. I, I, I don't know. They, they start out with the rescue mission, and the rescue mission is not the story of the issue. Well, they, yeah, they start out like saying that Dum Dum's plane went down, and you guys got to go rescue him, and then they cut to, let's show you how the plane went down, which is kind of an interesting story. Okay. Way, uh, way to yeah. do it. Um, so they set it up that he's been captured, and they show us how he gets captured. And uh, the whole thing's – I don't have a lot to say, but I do think it was cool, one, that – you know, they didn't just write off Dum Dum because at first I thought maybe they were going to do that. And that would have been silly nonsense. But not only gets his own story, but I kind of like seeing when uh, a Howler hangs out with regular soldiers, like because he's just more elite than they are. So they like all look to him. Even the guy who outranks him looks to him on how to escape the situation and stuff like that. That was fun. Yeah, I wasn't sure how I felt about that because, I mean, he's he's a non-con. He's a corporal. He's, he's mm. no one too particular, but he's kind of a celebrity. Yeah, exactly. 
Like, why wouldn't you look to him to <laughs> to solve this problem, considering they get out of every jam they've ever been put in? But I did love how they were exasperated with him at first. Yeah, because he would never he was he wasn't backing down and like really getting in their faces. And I'm sure that's scary when guns are pointed at you. I really mm. like the eyebrows of the bad guy. He, he is pretty cool. There's a really, really funny moment. Um, I don't know how much Golden Age Green Lantern you've run across, but you know Doyby Dickles? Yes. There's a very Doyby Dickles moment. And page 17, he's fighting the guy. Guy clubs over the head. He's like, you lily-livered, chicken-scratching, pickle-picking, pink-eyed, son of a bobtailed hyena. You <laughs> dented my ever-loving fedora. Yeah, that was cool. Don't hurt the man's hat. Green Lantern's turning 80. Yeah. You know what I think is, is interesting? Season. Everyone on Twitter who's using like hashtag Green Lantern 80, they keep drawing Hal Jordan. It's like, yeah. no, no, that's 2023 or something. Let's, uh. You want the guy in the red and purple suit. Right. Where's the Alan Scott who's turning 80? That's probably more important. Whatever. I, I do wonder if some of the German soldiers reboarded the ship. Like, yeah. You know, if it took 10 minutes and they're just like sitting next to the boat and it's not <laughs> blowing up. Uh huh. You think some of them like, Climb the little ladder or whatever's on the outside of the ship to get up there and like, never mind. I guess, I guess it was fine. <laughs> oh, you know, no. it would have been cooler if there was never a bomb at all and they all abandoned ship and then you basically take over their big ship. That would have been cool. That would be cool. But basically they all jump in the ocean and whether it was five minutes or 20 minutes, it didn't really matter. They all ended up in the ocean. Uh, and then luckily the whole rescue bookend thing shows up at the end. I don't know why it's lucky that he set the timer for 10 minutes. I don't either. Unless it just gave them more time to swim away from the boat. Yeah, you think there would have been something like we could take all the time in the world to get on these like life preservers and have a better situation, but they just jumped in too. So what's the difference? Yeah. What does it matter? Maybe 30 seconds is too little time to get a safe distance away. It did make them all panic and all jump off, so that was good. Yeah. We get this reoccurring character that you were talking about. Like This is like, what, the third time we've seen this dude? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of interesting. He was I also he in the annual, right? Yes, he he was in the annual. Um, the first time we saw him, of course, was just a random story. It yeah. might have been helping Fury get behind enemy lines to fight. Yep. Um, Sounds right. <laughs> what's his name? What's the guy's name? Oh, Strucker. Yeah, Strucker. I guarantee the, you it was for him to get behind enemy lines. But <laughs> The next issue box on the letters page tells us what we're having next issue. Mm-hmm. We get the origin of the eye patch. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. An alien cat in this book? That's weird. What? <laughs> oh yeah, the Flurkin. <laughs> the Flurkin. First appearance of the Flurkin was, you know, Sergeant Fury and his handling commandos. Crazy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, actually, we do get a first appearance of a Marvel Cinematic Universe character. Okay. Next uh, next issue. I can't say who now, it is. Now, here's the thing. Just so if anybody's tuning in for the first time on our show, we have covered... A modern day Nick Fury who did not have an eye patch. Right. So if Two. this is if this is the Howling Commandos book, are they going to jump to the future or the present? I should say their present. Uh, how's that going to work? Like, it can't. Or are they just going to forget that they did that and retcon the whole thing? I guess we'll find. You out. You have all the same questions I had before yeah. reading the story the first time. I'm interested. So yeah, that's I'm interested. I bet you they just ignore it. We actually have read two because, because I'm pretty we have sure read them outside in the of the FF. War. Oh, and he had his both eyes in the Korean War, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you would think they wouldn't forget that they did that. But they also just randomly gave him an eye patch for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So we'll see what they did, what they're thinking. I don't know. I don't know. 
Speaking of, speaking of old eye patch. Old eye patch fury. Strange Tales number 141, Operation Brain Blast. Beginning, the strangest, most spectacular super menace ever to threaten Nick Fury and his agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Whoa. Um, the senses, shattering tale that only Mighty Marvel could tell. Rapturously written by Stan Lee. Resplendently drawn by Jack Kirby. Rollickingly inked by Frank Ray and reluctantly lettered by Sam Rosen. Believe it or not, there's an explanation to this nutty drawing. Oh, well, you guys can't see the drawing, so that was a horrible caption to read. But it starts with the end of the Hydra tale, because we still have to wrap that up, people. S.H.I.E.L.D. and led by Dum Dum and... Gabe Jones. Gabe Jones, thank you. All I could think of was Trumpet Guy. Gabe Jones uh, came to rescue Nick. Nick is doing his best Captain Kirk impression. He's all shirtless, and he's war-torn, and he... He met them all up and helped stop the fight. If we recall, also someone who helped Nick was the Supreme Hydra's daughter who betrayed him. And then at the end of that last story, the Hydra guy ran upstairs to his office and locked himself in his room to suck his thumb. So they have to still capture him. So they're going upstairs to try and get into his room. But it turns out it's not that easy because he's the Hydra Supreme and there's like steel and stuff. So they have to get all these specialized equipment and like try and burn their way through it and cut their way through it. And it's not easy, but they're getting there. Meanwhile, the Hydra guy himself, who's not wearing his cool Hydra outfit anymore, is just a dude, is like kind of lamenting about the fact that his whole organization is now ruined and his daughter betrayed him. But he forgets that uh, there's two guards posted and they come in and they're like, Oh, hey. And he's like, oh, hi, guys. You should do what I say. And they're like, well, who are you? He's like, I'm the Supreme Hydra. He's like, no, you're too short and you're old and you're great. He's like, I wore lifts and padding and uh, you guys suck. And they're like, nah, we don't believe you. And they just shoot him and he dies. Uh, They finally get into the room. They find him dead because the guards like escaped out the window on these gravity shoe things that they have for Hydra. Um, the, The daughter cries. Dum Dum and Nick like discuss what they should do with her. Meanwhile, one of the agents is like, "Look at these cool gravity shoes I found in the closet." And Nick's like, "Hey, daughter, you should put these on and test them out." And she's like, "Okay." So she goes out the window to walk around on the building, and Nick's like, "You know, if you just keep walking, I don't know what I could do about that. That would really suck for us." And she's like, "Wait, you mean I should keep? I'm not saying that, but you know, if you did, what would I do?" Um, and she's like, oh, I've read that Catwoman story too. Okay, so she leaves, and Robin, I mean dum-dum, is like, Nick, why'd you let her go? Aren't you married? And he's like, ha-ha, Robin, I mean dum-dum, you just don't understand women. Anyway, we then cut back to uh, uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. There's this really cool like image of how it works and stuff. And... Nick thinks he's going to have some time off, but he's immediately uh, told to report to the, like, the ESP division. So he meanders on over there and immediately is attacked in the brain. And it's like, ah, something's hitting me. And he falls over and these people rush in with weird helmets and they put the weird helmet on him too. And he's like, what's going on? He's like, this is a scramble helmet. Uh, Fury, you'll be, you'll be okay now. He's like, that was crazy. And meanwhile, it cuts to some guy in a bed wearing green. So, you know, he's a bad guy. And he also feels the brain blast that they just attacked Nick with. And he's like, oh, no. S.H.I.E.L.D. has found a way to brain blast people. That means they're after me again. I used to work there, and I learned how to read the ESP division, and I learned how to read minds, but then I escaped, and they're still after me. I need some help. So he expands his mind, 
and finds the fixer in jail and like watches with his telepathy as the fixer uses all like I don't know what he does, but he somehow manages to create all these awesome gadgets with the stuff that's in his cell in his prison room. And uses that to explode the wall and fly away, basically. It's actually kind of cool looking, but I don't know how likely that would actually work. But it's cool looking. Anyway, he gets away. And the dude with the uh, specialized helmet that used to work for S.H.I.E.L.D. is like, I'm going to join up with him and together we can rule mankind. And then it cuts back to Nick talking to the head of the ESP room. And he's like, so what are you guys doing? They're like, well, we're trying to develop this ray that can like take out people who can read minds. And Nick's like, well, it's a good thing nobody can read minds, right? He's like, actually, we had a guy who worked here who could do it. And Nick's like, where's that guy? He's like, uh, he said he's going to take over the world, and then he quit, and we don't know where he is. And Nick's like, ah, I'm going to spend the next 12 issues finding that dude. The end. <laughs> I feel like Mentallo and the Fixer should be a buddy heist movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the way, it's Mentallo, but like, I don't think he says that in this story. No, no, not yet. But it totally is. Um, we don't usually get to see the mop up after a story. Yeah, this is that was like, a fun way to start. It's like a, it's like a, uh, an aftermath and an introduction all in one story. Just, uh-huh. from, just sweeps from one to the next. But I, I feel like it doesn't like you know whenever Captain America ended the Red Skull story, the, mm-hmm. the like, mind control story went off to the guy with the gun in the truck or whatever. Yeah. That felt like shortchanging both of those, uh-huh. and this doesn't feel that way. No, because like, I feel there's a nice denouement that also sets up another thing. Well, don't get all fancy now, but yeah, it had like a. Uh, we've had plenty of story for this one, so mm-hmm. so it ending wasn't abrupt at all. And there was a really great moment where uh, Supreme Hydra was taken down. <laughs> I thought that was pretty surprising and cool too. Yeah, because not only was he masked for us, the reader, but his own people didn't know who he was either. Seems like a risky way to run a terrorist organization, but okay. Yeah. Hydra was a giant of a man. You're puny. He's like, I wore lifts. Yeah, right. And they shoot him. And then they leave. Don't you recognize my rasping, sissing voice? It's, you know, Cobra Commander, but no. But it's also like just kind of a sad ending for a megalomaniac, I guess. Yep. Yep. Like just goes out with a whimper. His own people. And I honestly feel like they meant for this to be the end of Hydra. Like, I would believe that. Sure, it could have been. Except on the other hand, these two Hydra guys walk out the door and, you know, maybe they start something. And he lets uh, daughter Hydra get away. Yep. But she's not very evil, scene. so that's disappointing. Yeah, also she's pretty, so it's kind of Nick Fury-ish of her. Of mm-hmm. him. Yeah, if it was an ugly son, maybe he'd just arrest her. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, that's all right. I mean, he he also did it because she helped him. So, yes. I don't know. They miscolor Gabe on page seven. Oh, no, Gabe. Yep. He's flying with fury, but he's white. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's camouflage. One of those, like, uh, Mission Impossible masks or something. Okay, so we got a diagram or something last issue or recently, and I was like, is, is Hydra headquarters underneath some random office building? And yeah. We find out here we get that they really are underneath some random office building this entire time. Yeah, that somehow connects to a boat. It's one of those really long tunnels like Spider Spider Man used mm-hmm. to get to uh, from inside Manhattan out to the master planner layer. I always wonder how that stuff gets built. I'd like to see that issue someday or that ten ten page ten ten issue story arc. The ten issue story arc, the uh, the building of the underwater tunnel. 
Mm-hmm. Or Batman's like shoot from Wayne Manor all the way to you know Wayne Core or whatever the heck he does. I don't how even does, know how, what. How does he do that? What would the logistics of that even be? Well, in the case of Hydra, like at least they can kill people afterwards, and it's like okay, that makes sense. Well, even just assuming that you know. But who what's does the algorithm for putting together an underwater facility? But who does it for good guys? And like, how does it stay secret? Right? I guess the government. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, we'll have to ask Spider-Man when he gets his underwater hideout. <laughs> he never does. Well, he could just take over Doc Ox. Apparently, I've always found this ESP division weirdly iconic. I think it's a cool design. Mm-hmm. The three people sitting with the black stripes over their eyes. Uh huh. I don't know. It just it sticks in my mind as being something cool and unusual. I like that they're all completely different people too. Which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. It reminds me of a uh, why three. It reminds me of a uh, Minority Report. They had those three espers or whatever. Right. Like, does it does it come in three? Does ESP come in threes or something? Um, Professor X, Jean Grey, and Emma. Yeah, I guess it does. I guess it does. If they well, right c- now, right now, let's be honest. It's Magneto. Magneto is the other ESP yeah, guy. If they'd only all wear the same helmet like these three, right? So I'm a little muddled on what is going on. They're they're creating a what do they call it? A brain blast. Yeah, mm-hmm. brain blast. So they attack Fury with it, and then they're like, "Here, just put on this crazy helmet, and you'll be okay." But like, I don't know what. How does that work for? What's his face exactly? Like, what is? What are they working on? I don't know. What are they doing? I'm not sure what they're doing. They're, they're making scramble waves. They uh-huh. were doing a a demonstration. But the scramble waves seem to work on anybody. So are they they're like they're not making something that seems to let them find this guy? Or every time they shoot the brain blast at anybody, he feels it. It seemed like also, which was weird. Is that how that works? That like, is really weird. Just shoot or is the he brain just blast. So- yeah. Is he just so sensitive to it that he has to reach for his helmet? Does that mean that Xavier would feel it too? Yeah. Did Xavier right now just fall over off his bed because they did a brain blast? That'd be interesting. The answer is yes. Let's see. Yes. How do we know? We never saw it. And he 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 uses his mind to see that it's shield again. He's like, those bastards, what will they stop messing with technology? <laughs> but that sucks. Like they're using brain blasts on regular people, but every time they shoot it, every telepath in the world falls over too. That'd be bad. That's pretty bad. Any other thoughts on this one? Nope. I forgot there's more to this uh, whole comic book, huh? There is a very strange follow-up. There's Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystics Arts. Let there be victory. Dialogue and captions, Stan Lee. Plot and artwork, Steve Ditko. Lettering and more lettering, Artie Simek. There's no recap. So basically, Dormammu and Doctor Strange decided to fight. Dormammu made it physical for no reason whatsoever. He was about to maybe lose or win, but Mordo couldn't take... You know, the whole, like, fighting fair thing. So he shot Doctor Strange in the back while the Ancient One and Clea via telecom watch. Uh, was not happy about that. He's like, dude, I was going to beat him fair and square. You didn't have to do that. He's like, I was just trying to please you, master. He's like, no, get out of my face. You suck so bad. Like, I gave you all the power in the world and you couldn't beat, like, regularly powered Doctor Strange. I banish you or... Whatever. And he's like, no, please have mercy. But he doesn't have it. And then he talks to the guys that, like, he summoned who are all, like, leaders of their own realm. And he's like, I totally could have just, like, you know, beat him fair and square. But I'm still the master of all dimensions. But turns out Doctor Strange isn't dead. He gets up and goes, no, you're not. Let's do round two, buddy. And Dormammu's like, yeah, okay, fine. Let's do more of this physical fighting with these weird pincher thingies. 
And I don't know, there's a lot of the fight, but basically it boils down to Doctor Strange does a uh, rope-a-dope. To those who don't know what that means, that means like he's kind of letting Dormammu uh, do all the work in the fight and wearing him out, basically taking all the punches. And then at the last minute, he goes, psych! And he like clips his wrist with one of those magic pincers. And he looks like he spanks him in the butt with the other one or maybe like grabs his waist or something. I don't know. He somehow handcuffs Dormammu together and then he picks him up and then he body slams him. And then he's like, yay, I won. And Dormammu's like, why did I pick physical combat when I could have beaten you in six billion other options? Ugh, fine. What do you want? And Doctor Strange is like, you promised to never, ever, ever, ever in any way whatsoever use your power against Earth again. And all these people are witnesses. He's like, fine, you win. And then he sends them all back to their own respective dimensions, including Doctor Strange. But then he's like, oh, by the way, did you forget about this girl? This love interest that has no name that you haven't talked to in so long and probably actually don't even think about? Well, I have her, and I've had her for a while. Ever since she helped you, I've been keeping her prisoner, and I made her watch this whole thing. And now that you're back on Earth, and I'm on this view screen in my own dimension, I'm going to send her to a place that's horrible, and you can't do anything about it just to pay you back. Ha, ha, ha. So he does that. She screams. Dr. Strange goes, ah, I hate you. And he thinks about maybe going to rescue her. But the Ancient One's like, wait, before you do that, remember that mystic globe that Mordo had? You should look at it. See? See all those black spots? That's like people doing bad things in Mordo, on Mordo's behalf because he had all those disciples that were out hunting you and stuff. You really need to clear that up first on Earth because Earth is more important than this nameless woman. So he's like, okay, I'll go do that. So he teleports off and leaves like, uh, you know, the Green Greenwich Village place empty. Two of Mordo's disciples pop in. And they're like, we're going to kill this Doctor Strange. We can't contact Mordo anymore. We don't know where he is, but we're going to kill Doctor Strange. I know what we should do. Instead of going magic versus magic with him, let's just put a bomb in his little cauldron here. Because, you know, science. So they do that, and they leave. And while while Doctor Strange is cleaning up all the black spots, that we he's kind of doing this off camera, he comes back exhausted, so it must have been hard work. And he lays down, and he's like, now I think I have to take a nap for a little while. And it shows a dude outside in the shadows with a fedora, and he clicks the button, and the bomb's going to go off. The end. Yeah. yeah. So it's – we've gotten past eternity. Uh, we've beaten <laughs> yeah. Mordo. Yeah. We've beaten Dormammu. Mm-hmm. We're still not done. <laughs> nope. Now we've got to save Clea. Clea, whatever. And I like your point. We have seen her a lot. Yes. But Doctor Strange hasn't seen her since issue 130-something. He's met her one whole time, has he not? I think you're right. I think he has seen her from a distance one other time. Uh-huh. Or thought about her or something. Like, there was some connection between them after that. But yeah, he she has spied on him, like a stalker, a lot more than he has seen her. He has met so many Dimension people in this story arc that, like, she's just one of dozens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That said, like he should be upset even if he has no idea who she is because Dormammu's like, I'm going to punish this innocent person just to make you mad. That's not cool. And also, also maybe he's like, oh, yeah, I liked her. <laughs> yeah, she was have cool. Her. Yeah, she was cool. I like those little horn things her hair does. <laughs> Reminds me of Star Wars. It's pretty cool. Um, I feel like the whole Dormammu-Mordo argument really could be a Megatron and Starscream Totally. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Dormammu is Megatron. Yes, he is. (laughs) 
You, a bungling, talentless, powerless mortal. You dared presume to think you could help Megatron? But Megatron, I thought I was helping you. I meant no harm. Silence. He's Megatron. He makes all the wrong decisions, and he's the best, most powerful evil person ever. But... He can't For more win. voice impressions, come see Return to Cybertron at Transformers UK Podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm then, never going to not look at him as Megatron now. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> then we just get a lot more of Last Issue. Uh, I know. It's that same fight. That's just like kind of... Uh. For five pages. Lots of verbal descriptions of the art because it's honestly not entirely clear how these pincers are supposed to work. It really isn't. I don't even know what he's doing with them exactly, but... I guess, like I said, the overall strategy is he just wore out Dormammu and then tricked him into thinking he was weaker than he was. But mm-hmm. again, I don't know that I where, – where is the story that explains why Doctor Strange is such a cool martial artist, you know? Or is that just part of mystic training maybe because it's Asian? You know, I can honestly see that thinking being there. Yeah. Now, a lot of schools of thought with martial arts tend to include a certain amount of uh, spiritualism and meditation type of stuff. Sure. Um, at least from what I've heard, mm-hmm. I've never been involved in that, in that school that does that, but my understanding is that it happens. Mm-hmm. So maybe the reverse is true. Maybe people who are learned, who are taught to do mis- magic are also taught to fight physically. I don't know. I've never taken magic school either. I could, I mean, if they say that in a line somewhere, I'd be perfectly happy to accept that. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, my, strong mind, strong body. That makes right. sense. Makes sense. Right. Didn't Dormammu already swear this? The whole don't um, yes. attack Earth thing. Well, I can't – I'm not going to look up the exact wording before, but apparently before he swore to at least never step foot on Earth, but apparently oh. he thought it was okay to imbue magic into other Earthlings to do what he wanted. It was a loophole wanted. in his oath. Now I think the swear is what? Never to turn your power against Earth. That's more broad. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There still might be a loophole, but that sounds a little better. Okay. I'll but buy he, that for a dollar. He's also evil and, you know, whatever. How can you even bind these people to words? Well, maybe with his magical abilities, maybe the oath is actually... Could be. ...innately binding on him. Could be. It could be all magical stuff. Like oaths yeah. actually matter. Um, I don't know. Have those guys been in Strange's house this entire time? Because we saw when they got there. That was a little muddle, too. Like, I think you're just like you were saying with the fight. I think a lot of, like, the dialogue is explanation and less, like, visual making sense like are they just there the whole time and who oh you know what i kind of forgot to say is there's three guys there i kind of forget the two mordo guys that look like magicians and then there's this cloaked mysterious figure who gave them the bomb i was wondering why his face was blacked out and why he looks so mysterious yeah because it's dr octopus (laughs) i mean this is ditko it could be but no. Well, you know, the whole rope-a-dope thing. I mean, we're going to talk about that next episode with Spider-Man. We are. So, you know, definitely motifs could carry over from one book to the other. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, cool. there's a bomb in his basin. Yes. And that's I our kinda, I kind of like the idea of, like, let's not even bother fighting him with magic. Let's just put a bomb in his house. Like, that's not a horrible plan. Could it's really cool. not. Since he's yeah. a Sorcerer Supreme, they will not be able to stand up to him. Or he won't sense – I think their idea was that he won't sense danger where if it was some sort of amulet of evil possession, like he might be like, hey, something's weird with this room. But right. a bomb, a bomb is just a bomb. Does it give off soul? Probably not. Should I look up who this guy is? Yeah, let's do it. See if there's anyone weird in this story. It's it's, it's Ned Leeds. Wow. Okay. Um, 
I can do it too. Strain. There, the only name in this list I do not recognize is Adria, and this is that person's first appearance. He's in the next two issues and a couple things down the road. So maybe Adria is a person. I don't know. Antagonist. Dormammu, Baron Mordo, Baron Mordo's minions, Dominicus, and the witch. Is that a girl? Adria is a girl? It's female. Yes. Oh, Adria is a girl? Adria was a witch and a minion of Baron Mordo. I don't know why we're spoiling this for ourselves, but it's interesting. She's in six appearances, one of them looking kind of modern based on the picture. So, yeah, female. That's going to be the big shocker that it's not a dude in a trench coat on a fedora. It's a lady. Okay. 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 I'm down for it. Yeah. All right. Did we finish the month? No. No, we didn't. We did not finish the month. Okay. That's next episode. Next episode. We'll be done with November. Wow. I thought it'd be kind of weird if we did like the entire, if we finished the, a month and a year at the same time, but we're not. We're on odd numbers. We're going to finish odd numbered months. Okay. And even numbered months get in the middle of an episode. All right. So we'll finish 1965 in the middle of an episode, a few episodes down the road. Well, then speaking of uh, uh, finishing the month, what do we have to read to finish the month? So uh, next week, your homework is going to be Tales of Suspense 74, The Final Sleep, and also Iron Man Feeling Guilty. (laughs) Yeah. Then The Avengers 24 from the Ashes of Defeat. It's the part two of the King the Conqueror Drags the Avengers to the Future storyline. Mm-hmm. The Fantastic Four 47, Beware the Hidden Land. It's our penultimate in humans issue for now. And Amazing Spider-Man 33, the final chapter yeah. of the Master Planner saga. Oh, I thought they meant up the title. No, there is an Amazing Spider-Man, the final chapter, but that's like, 400 issues from now. Wouldn't it be cool if Avengers 25, they're just minding their own business? Like, Hulk, what are you doing here? That'd be neat. That would be cool. But No, they're not going to do that. I don't think they're on Earth. I'm not on Earth. No. All right. So if they want to talk to us, reach out to us, find more episodes of us, or just look at the website that you work on every week, where can they go? I like how we both ask each other questions that we totally know the answers to, but we're just doing it to prompt giving information to them. But I'm glad you asked. Uh... You can search Make Ours Marvel in any of your favorite podcast playing apps, or you can go to makeoursmarvel.com. There you will find links to our social media of Facebook, Twitter, and I just recently added Instagram just for fun. So if you guys like following things through Instagram, it's instagram.com slash makeoursmarvel. There's only one I post. I don't have an Instagram. I like Instagram, and I think a lot of people do. So it wasn't that hard. I thought, why not try it? If it doesn't do anything, I'll get rid of it. Um also, all our shows are there, and you can uh, 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 find links for different ways to subscribe to those shows. And lastly, and maybe most importantly, there is a way to contact us if you're interested. You could use the form on the site, or you could contact by emailing directly, podcast at makeoursmarvel.com. We're very due for a uh, mailbag episode as of this recording, but we do get around to them. We keep them all. We love your letters. Please write more. All right. Uh, Mike can be found on Twitter at Kaiser the Great. Um, he says he doesn't ever do anything on Twitter, but he says some fun stuff. You should go follow him. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at John Reads Comics. I post a lot of comics covers and comics panels of the stuff that I read. And um, I also have some other podcasts. If you like Transformers, Megatron, Starscream, Cobra. 
Um, you can go to return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast, which is on Twitter at TFUK podcast. You can go to my image comics podcast called all the pouches, which is on Twitter at all the pouches. And, um, yes, follow us there. So I guess that wraps us up. That's it. That is it. Another one in the can. Mm -hmm. So until the skipper and Sergeant Fury, gets his own comic series, Make Ours Marvel. Marvel.